You guys can take a seat. How's it going? Good, super awesome, great. I'm Andy, I'm one of the uh, pastors here on staff, and I'm excited to be here first. How was your Christmas? Was it good? All right. Anyone, uh, did you get what you wanted? Yes. Obvious. Okay, front row, and I'm preaching. Merry Christmas. Um, Did anyone not get what they wanted? Yeah, a couple? Well, take a look under your chairs. Because I'm just kidding. I, I am neither Santa nor Oprah, okay? So you get nothing. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. All right, well, while we're talking about Christmas, I want to talk about the Christmas season, right? These, like, uh, that time period from Thanksgiving to Christmas where it's okay to listen to Mariah Carey. And um, the Christmas season, it is, as I've gotten older, I've realized it is crazy. It is really busy. There's so much uh, that has to be done. And... Um, I'm just curious. I, I'm kind of taking a survey of people in the church and trying to figure out how many Christmas gatherings we go to, okay? So like school, work, family, friends, whatever it is. How many, how many places do we go to celebrate Christmas, okay? Now, I counted, and I am actually in December and January because there's not enough days in December, all right? We need more. So in December and January, I'm going to 10 different gatherings to celebrate Christmas, right? And like four or five, I can't remember, our family, it's crazy. So just curious, how many, um, if you have more than five or more Christmases to go, Christmases, Christmas gatherings to go to, raise your hand. Okay, how about six or more? Six or more? A couple up here. Seven or more? Eight or more? I think there was, okay. okay, that's a lot. We're busy, aren't we? Christmas is busy. Christmas is busy. You know, I've noticed that during the uh, Christmas season, um, you know, the season where we're supposed to remember Jesus and remember all the, the hope he brings and all this stuff, we, we get really wrapped up in all the stuff that goes along with it, right? Like um, the shopping, the family photos, the, uh, the, the gift buying, shopping in bed from Amazon, right? Like it, it's, it's so much time to do that. Um, decorating cookies, cooking, cleaning, wrapping, right? Like all this stuff, not the hip hop wrapping, like the gift wrapping, um, all this stuff, it becomes a super long list of things we got to do. And if we do it all, Christmas is a success. And then sometimes we get to like December 26th or 27th, and we just feel like we kind of missed the, the spirit of the season, or we, we kind of forgot uh, about why we do what we do. Does anyone ever feel that way? I feel that way. I felt that way last year a lot. Um, you know, it's not just Christmas either. It's, it, it can, it's the rest of the year. You know, these past several months have been super busy uh, for me and my family for a lot of reasons, okay? Um, one, we, we bought a house, which was really awesome. It was fortunate that we could even do that. But um, I didn't know that I was going to become like a part-time painter, right? <laughs> Like, I'm, and I was really excited about it at one point, and now I'm smarter. Um, so, part-time painter, right? I'm mowing the lawn for the first time in my life. And what I didn't know is that you can actually be bad at mowing a lawn. And, right, just like a pipe broke in the middle of the night, and we had to clean up weird, nasty water, and it's just like, what is this, right? All this stuff that comes with owning a house. We, we had our second child, which is awesome, little girl Evelyn. Um, but what, what happens is we also have uh, Isaac, and he's a toddler. And so most of my time, it's just kind of keeping Evelyn alive when Isaac is around her. Um, he likes to help, and, and when she cries, he puts things in her mouth, like a bottle in her mouth. But his motor skills are off, and so he hits her in the eye, and it's like, oh, my gosh. Um, 
And then, you know, earlier this year, I took on additional ministry uh, responsibilities because of some staff changes. And so along with that came added time commitments and added stress and added events and added responsibility. And all this stuff kind of piled together. You know, I looked at my life and I was like, man, I I am running low on energy. I am spread thin. There are too many people to try to please, too many expectations that I can't meet, too many places to be at once. And I realized my life was crazy, busy, and I was missing out on what was truly important in my life. And so this has been my life lately. And when I look around at, you know, some of our families uh, here and, and the teens that I get to know, I realize, you know, I'm not the only one going through this. There's kind of this epidemic going through the church of people who are just super busy. And, and, and what's happening is we're missing out on what's really important. All right, so today we're going to be looking at an encounter that Jesus had with two women, one who was like crazy busy, um, a wreck, and the other one who was uh, focused on what was really important. And we're going, to, we're going to look at this story. It's in Luke 10, if you have a Bible around you. It's page 725. You can kind of follow along. And here Jesus and his disciples, his followers, they are uh, they're traveling. They're on their way, right, which is Bible talk for meaning they're walking, okay? This is what Jesus did a lot of the time. He walked. And that's how they got from city to city to city. And um, when we say, hey, I'm going for a walk, it's like, hey, I'm going for a walk. I'll be back in 30 minutes. But Jesus might be like, hey, I'm going for a walk. I'll see you in February. And <laughs> that's what he did, man. It's, it's what he did. And so they're walking right now. And this woman, Martha, invites him over. And here is what happens. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me, right? So I imagine uh, Martha is spaz, like, a, like her hair's crazy and she's running around trying to get everything ready, right? Like we got the manna in the slow cooker, right? And like um, Jebediah, he brought the pickles. Are they kosher? I hope they're kosher. Jesus likes kosher pickles. Um, I don't know where that came from, but like, you know, what, all these things, like do we have, the, are those slotted spoons? Are those not slotted spoons, right? What's going on? And so she's freaking out and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, right? You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So this is a great story to imagine. We got, we got this contrast of Martha who's, who's uh, so distracted, so caught up in what's going on and, and worried. And Jesus, he's really chill. He's like, Martha, Martha. And then Mary, who's just kind of enjoying hanging out with Jesus. And it's amazing because 2,000 years ago, people's lives were busy. You know, people were worried. They were anxious. They were distracted. They were busy. And it affected them the same way it affects us today when we get this busy. And here's what happens, right? Being crazy busy, it it can suck the joy out of awesome moments in life, right? Jesus says you are worried and upset about so many things. Martha's got Jesus in her house, and she's worried about getting things ready, getting things done. She's distracted, Right? It's this amazing moment, and she's distracted uh, by what she has to do, by everything going on in her life. Don't we do that too? Right? We get so distracted that we miss out on awesome moments. We're, we're, we're full of worry, we're full of fear, anxiety, and we miss these awesome moments uh, when we get our families together at Christmas. 
We're so busy running here and there that we don't enjoy watching our kids grow up. We don't enjoy them watching them play, right? We're, we're so distracted and busy, we miss out. Kids and teens, you guys are so busy. Um, I see it all the time. You guys are doing these awesome things that should be fun, and I love watching them, and you're just on to the next one. What's next? What's next? What about the next uh, team or this college or what after college, right? Like all these things, we're so worried about all these things that are coming up and all these things we have going on in our life. Do you worry about a lot of things? I mean, do you notice the awesome moments in life? Second, crazy busy, it it can hurt our relationships. As Martha is freaking out, she is not at all focused on Mary or Jesus. She's caught up in what she has to do. And we do the same thing, right? We get so busy with Christmas sometimes, we forget about the people who have come to our house, right, to hang out with us. We we want our kids uh, to succeed and do awesome things in life and become awesome people. And so we roll them in so many things, but we don't see them that often. Or we want to become, uh, we want to better our lives and better our families so we take on more work and we do more things and we don't spend as much time with our family. We get so busy that it's hurting our relationships, right? Busyness cuts us off from people that we need. Third, being busy can distract us from focusing on Jesus. Martha invites Jesus over to her house. He's sitting in there with her. He accepts her invitation and she's so caught up in doing stuff, she loses focus. We do this all the time. In the church world, sometimes we want to do so much for Jesus, we're so focused on the events, we're so focused on where we need to be, what we need to do, right? We forget about actually spending time with Jesus in his word, talking with him, enjoying him, right? As parents, we want to raise our kids in the church to do all these great things and and follow Jesus and do all this stuff, and we, we get so focused on what they need to do and how they need to do it that we forget about who they're actually following, we raise kids up in church, but we don't necessarily raise them up in Christ. Our lives, they're, they're full. They're full of work, errands, um, projects, activities, tournaments, plays, recitals, tournaments, all these different things, right? Who has time to focus on Jesus? Who has time? You can't be distracted and devoted at the same time. You can't be distracted from Jesus and devoted to Jesus at the same time. Something has to give. And I think in our culture that we're kind of just consumed by, our schedules have trumped our Savior, right? Saying yes, pleasing others, building up resumes, building up those college applications, doing enough, being the best, it trumps hanging out with Jesus and spending time with him. We have no time. So the question I keep asking myself lately is why? Why is this happening? And not just to us in the church, but me. Why is this happening to me? Right? Something needs to change. Um, Maybe something needs to change with you too. And so what I think is, as we look at Scripture, I believe these crazy busy lives, regardless of how old you are, regardless of if you're a guy or a gal or if you're um, a Christian or not a Christian, regardless... If you're crazy busy, I think it's kind of driven by four things that we have going on. Our pride, pressure, pleasure, and priorities. All right? So pride, sometimes um, we just want to show people how awesome we are at stuff, right? What we can do, what we're capable of. And so when we're really good at things, we like to jump at those opportunities to do them so we can prove ourselves, so we can show people how awesome we are, so we can feel superior, better. Pride says, I'm the man. And we want to show people, I'm the man. 
And so we're going to do more and more and more because the more often we can show people how awesome we are, the more uh, we feel better about ourselves and who we are. So pride, this desire to show people how awesome we are, it drives us to say yes to a lot of things. More hours at work so we can get more recognition and move up the ladder. More hours on the road because we can get more sales. More hours at the gym. More hours on the field. More hours in the library. Whatever it is, we take on more and more and more because if, if we say yes, it's going to make us feel better about ourselves. Right? Pride drives us to enroll our kids in everything because if my kid's awesome, I'm awesome. I'm better than that parent. If my kid's a winner, I'm a, I'm a winner. Right? And you're a loser. <laughs> Right? If my kid is awesome, I'm awesome. We race around here, there, load up schedules because it makes us feel better and superior. That's why when someone asks, how's life? We say busy like it's kind of a status symbol, like we've kind of uh, made it in life by becoming this busy. But it's dangerous. It's dangerous because it can, it can uh, suck the joy out of our lives. We miss the awesome moments. It hurts our relationships, and it hurts our relationship with Jesus. Pressure. So specifically, the pressure to be something um, you're not, all right? God has created all of us with gifts and skills and talents and abilities, and there's a pressure that still remains to be something that you're not. Maybe it's something that you're trying to be. You look to someone else. You want to be more like them, or, or it's maybe some type of person you wish you were, Right? It's the opposite of pride. Pride says, look at me, I'm awesome. But this pressure says, look at me, I'm not awesome. I wish I was something else. I wish I was someone else. So people would notice me. So people would acknowledge that I'm, I exist. So people would value me. And it creates this, this desire in our life to meet expectations and meet standards that we put on ourselves or other people put on us. And it's hard. And we say yes to more things because we want people to believe or something we're not, right? If we're honest, I think we all have this pressure to, to be a certain kind of dad, to be a certain kind of mom, to be a perfect person, the perfect wife, the perfect husband, the perfect kid, more like our older sister, our older brother, more like the kid we want, we think our parents want. There's pressure to be someone else, right? And it drives us to say yes. And it's hurting it's hurting us. It's taking the joy out of life. It's hurting our relationships. It's, it's hurting our relationship with Jesus. Right? Pleasure. So these are things that we run to in order to feel happy, to feel uh, fulfilled, satisfied. Maybe just escape some of the, the, the things in life, the pressures in life, right? right? Or just a breather. We just want to take a breather. But these things we run to, they're not necessarily bad, but they end up consuming so much of our time that, that this pleasure becomes, uh, causes us to procrastinate. And we take these breathers and it makes us busier, right? Because we can spend hours in front of a TV at night. We can spend a day on Netflix watching a series, right? I just want you to know, it took me six years to watch Lost. So if it took you a month, don't tell me, all right? It was a painful period in my life. <laughs> Seriously, we, get, we, we spend hours and hours and hours just shutting off our mind and escaping, but it doesn't make us feel rested. It doesn't restore us. Right? It doesn't lead to more happiness. It doesn't connect us with other people. Right? We just run to these things looking for an escape, looking for a moment of happiness. 
Priorities. So either the wrong priorities or no priorities. We think uh, this stuff that makes up our life makes us important. And so whatever it is that makes us important, it's going to direct every other area of our life. So if, if what I do here at River Glen is what makes me feel so important, right, gives me kind of a status or whatever, then what I do here is going to trump time with the family. It's going to trump time with my friends, time with the kids, time with Jesus. If, if climbing up the ladder is what makes us feel important, that's going to direct all the other priorities in our life. Right? If, if having the kid on the honor roll or being the honor roll kid is what is so important, then that's going to direct all the other areas of your life. If, if having the most trophies or having the kid with the most trophies is what makes us feel so important, then that is going to direct our priorities, our family's priorities. Right? Whatever you think makes you matter, makes you important, it's going to guide your priorities in life. And the wrong priorities are going to steal joy from your life. They're going to hurt your relationships, and they're going to hurt your relationship with Jesus. Pride, pressure, pleasure, and priorities, they are at the heart of our busyness. They are driving these crazy busy lives, right? And so what do we do? What do we do? Well, the answer isn't just slow down, say no, right? Because we're not dealing with what's going on in here. We're not dealing with our desires. Once we deal with our desires, then we can start to see change in our life, all right? So first, we have to deal with our desires. And if we're talking about desires, we're talking about the heart. And if we're talking about the heart, we're talking about Jesus. So first, we need to turn to Jesus because he deals with our pride. He takes the pressure off. He shows us where true happiness comes from, right? And, and he sets our priorities, so pride, Jesus came to earth not to give us permission to, to go out and be like, hey, here's how to become the man, here's how to be awesome, right? No, Jesus came to earth with a humbling message. He says, I'm the man, I'm the king, and I've lowered myself and I've humbled myself and I died in your place. That is a humbling message. There is no real room for pride in a Christian's life. There's not. When you know who Jesus is and you know what he did for you, you can't boast. You can't brag. There's no room for pride. In Philippians, Paul, he wrote to this church, he says, have the same mindset, has the same attitude as Christ Jesus who humbled himself, right? If Jesus is king and he humbled himself to the point of death, right, then we ought to have that same kind of attitude. It's not about me. And if it's not about me, that's going to change what our schedule looks like. Right? If you had this mindset, this attitude that it's not about you and it's about other people, how would that change your work week? How would that change your schedule? What would you not do anymore? How would it free you up? Jesus deals with our pride. He deals with pressure to measure up. Right? In Romans 5.8, Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? He didn't wait till we figured it out. He didn't wait till we met some expectation of what it means to be the perfect guy, the perfect girl. He didn't wait till we had enough trophies. He didn't wait till we got a certain grade, got into the right college. He didn't wait. What he's saying is when you were at your worst, that is when I died for you. Right? Jesus, he comes to us and he, he basically says, hey, the pressure's off. I know you're out there trying to get noticed trying to get your peers to notice, trying to get your parents to notice, trying to get uh, your boss to notice, trying to get others to notice, trying to meet these expectations, these standards that maybe other people have put on you or you've put on you. You're trying to be something you're not. 
You're trying to be the perfect mom, whatever that is. You're trying to be the perfect dad, the perfect kid. But here's the deal. I have lived, I've died for you, and the pressure is gone. Your imperfections, your mistakes, you don't have to make up for them. I made up for them. I died for you, and I love you. Do you believe it? And if you do, you're accepted by my Father. You're a child of God. The pressure is gone. What if we believed that? Man, if you believe the pressure is gone because Jesus loves you, he accepts you, I think some things would disappear from our lives. I think some, some things we feel like we have to do, that pressure wouldn't be there anymore. Right? What if you didn't feel the need to meet everyone's expectations? What would come off your schedule? If you didn't feel the need to be someone you're not, what would you not do? If you accepted the fact that you're accepted by God, how would your schedule change? He deals uh, with our pride. He takes the pressure off, and he gives us lasting pleasure. So this need for happiness and escape, right, can't be fulfilled by stuff. It can't be fulfilled by experiences that we have. These little momentary things, we're going to run to these things to feel happy, but they don't last. They're tiny. They're instant. And then they're gone, right? Jesus is really the only true source of happiness, that we can run to. He is a place where we can escape. He is a place where we can go and find rest and find fulfillment and find happiness, right? Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him, right? And that Greek word for all literally means all, (laughs) all the promises. You don't need to run to stuff to eat up your time, to fill up your schedule, right? To feel happy, You can run to Jesus. He'll fill up that void in your life. You don't need to do more or or, or run to these things and experiences to escape your everyday life. You have Jesus. He offers real eternal life. He's where we find joy. He's where we find rest. He's where we find restoration, fulfillment, hope. Everything that you desire, you can find it in him. Right? You might be busy because you're turning to the wrong stuff. You're turning to a uh, uh, substitute, not the real thing. And the real thing never really satisfies. If you didn't have these distractions, these, these things you're running to, how would your schedule change? What would that look like? He deals with our pride. He takes the pressure off. He offers us lasting joy, and he sets our priorities. So back to the story. When Jesus is talking to Martha, he says, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You have all these things we're worried about. We're, we're so consumed, and we're anxious, and we're nervous, and we're worried. But one thing matters, having Jesus. Having Jesus, he's better than anything. He's better than achieving, earning, getting, winning, anything. And we have him. So if you call yourself a a follower of Jesus, he would say, well, I am the priority. I take over, right? I direct your life. And I think a lot of us know that. And I think some of us believe that. But thinking through what that looks like is kind of difficult. What does it mean for Jesus to be our priority, right? 
Well, I think one of our problems is we think the way we think about priorities. We kind of think of like a, a to-do list where the most important thing comes first, something like this, right? Where it's, okay, spend time with Jesus. Got to do that first, right? Homework, practice. Maybe I'll get to the chores. We'll see if it's a good day, if it's productive, right? And so whatever is most important, we make sure to do that first. But what that does is it turns Jesus into a checklist item. Prayed, check. Read the Bible, check. Went to church, check. Went to youth group, check. And then we move on with the rest of our day. Is that what it means to prioritize? Or we approach our time as like a, a, like a pie chart, right? And, and all the things that we do consume a certain amount of time during our day, right? And, and our biggest priority ought to get the biggest chunk, but I work <laughs> and I sleep sometimes. So how do I spend more time with Jesus than work or sleeping, right? This mindset, we turn Jesus into a time commitment. Spend 15 minutes with Jesus. Done. What's next? What does it mean to make Jesus a priority in our life? What does that look like? Well, here's what, I, here's what I think. We need to realize Jesus is not some item on our priority list. He's the whole reason. He, he becomes basically the reason we do everything on our list, right? And if he's our priority, then everything we do throughout the day, everything we do is done for him. Colossians, uh, Paul wrote, um, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So our priority list changes to something that kind of looks like this, where everything is done for Jesus. He's not an item. He's the purpose, right? So instead of Jesus being on your list, it becomes the whole point. Everything you do can and should be done for him. Right? Or if we're talking about the, the pie chart, we're thinking about time. How much of our time is spent on doing things for Jesus? Everything we do, all of our time is devoted to Jesus. Right? So what does it look like doing homework for Jesus? Right? Well, you don't cheat. All right, we'll get that out of the way. <laughs> you put in effort. You use the abilities and the skills and the talents and the knowledge that God has given you. And you trust him for the results. And you praise him when they're awesome, right? Same thing with sports, practice, any activity. You use your skills that he's given you, you trust him for the results, and you praise him, right? With work, you do your best. You do your best job not to impress people, not to feel like you're better than other people, but because God gave you skills and gifts and talents for you to use to bring him glory, right? And you trust him with the results, what about hanging out with the family, right? How do you hang out with the family for Jesus? Do we just pray and sing? No. Well, maybe. So maybe some of you can sing, right? Maybe you just focus that time on becoming a closer family. Maybe you pray. Maybe you don't. Maybe you read the Bible. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just enjoy each other. You have fun together. You laugh. You enjoy being with one another. Maybe you encourage each other. Maybe you challenge each other, Right? Maybe you praise God for the family that he's given you. How would your schedule change if you realized everything you did could be done for Jesus? What would change? Right? We need to turn to Jesus, focus on him, who he is, what he's done, and he will deal with our pride. He'll deal with that pressure we all have to try to measure up. He'll show us what true pleasure looks like, and then he'll, show, or he'll change our priorities. Second, we need to evaluate our lives. We need to evaluate our lives. Right? So we take what we just talked about and we kind of apply it to us. On the back of your program are questions for you 
or your family to go over. And this is going to kind of connect some of those desires with where you're at in life, all right? And that's homework. I'm giving you homework. I'm sorry. It's Christmas vacation. I failed your expectations. It's okay. I'm over it. But I'm just going to tell you, if you don't have time to do this, that's a red flag, okay? You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your kids. You owe it to your family to really think about your schedule because it's running you and it's changing who you're becoming and it's changing who your kids are becoming, right? Ask yourself, this, this life we live, is it healthy? Is it sustainable? Am I becoming more like Jesus with the routine that I live? Is it bringing joy? Does it allow you to serve others? Is it making your family closer, the schedule you've adopted? The schedule you have your kids are, running them here or there, do they have time to love people? Are they becoming more like Jesus? We've got to evaluate our lives. And then we need to evaluate our schedules. We need to look at our time and how we've broken it up, or what I call the rhythm of life. Okay? There's sort of a rhythm that God has built into creation. It's work, play, and rest. And since we're part of creation, when we start living the way God created us to live, it's going to go better for us. Right? So work. I don't think a lot of us... Um, have a problem with work. I think, you know, in the Midwest, we have a hard work ethic. We like to do stuff. We like to be productive, right? But how much of your time is spent doing something? Is it driven by pride? Is it driven by pressure? What are your priorities? We're kicking off this series next week on work called Do Work, and I think it's going to be really helpful for us as a church. I think it's hard to think through how our work ties into our faith. It's going to help us out a lot. But I think right now, I'm just thinking about your schedule and thinking, how much of your routine is spent doing, right? Getting more, earning more, building up your resume, improving yourself, improving your image, improving how people see you. How much of your time is spent focused on you doing, right? If you're like me, um, be prideful, give in to pressure to kind of live up to someone's expectation or be something you can't be or, or you allow the wrong things to drive your life, you probably have things going on in your life. You probably have things you're doing that you need to just stop, right? How much are you working? How much are you playing? So all throughout Scripture, God commands us to celebrate, to play, to enjoy life. I think it's, I think it's why we love Christmas and we love getting together and we just stop and we just have fun with each other, and we, we enjoy life. It's woven into creation, right? In Ecclesiastes 3, God says, there is a time to laugh, right? Mainly now when I'm talking or preaching. No, maybe. Other times too, right? There is a time to laugh. God created us to laugh, to have fun, to enjoy life. I think as adults, if there's anything we can learn from the kids in this room, it's how to enjoy life. I think they know it, right? How much are you working? How much are you playing? Then finally, how much are you resting? God hardwired rest into creation. And rest is not about laziness. It's not about doing nothing. It's about finding something that restores you, focusing on God and, and, and life and what you enjoy in life that he's given you and being filled up. Maybe it's nature, Right? Maybe it's camping. Maybe it's eating, uh, sitting down to eat with your family. Maybe it's just hanging out with your kids. Maybe it's reading. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's art or creating or music or, or whatever it is. What is it that fills you up? Right? What kind of rest fills you up? And how much of that is part of your week? 
Once you answer these questions, I think we're ready to kind of start to make some changes, right? And this is really simple because it's New Year's coming up, and everyone has to have a New Year's resolution. Um, and so I'm going to challenge you to make a to-do list and a to-don't list, all right? To-don't. What do you need to do more of in 2016? Rest? Play? Put it on a list. Tell someone, right? Because here's what I know. Uh, we're not going to rest more on accident. Right? We're not going to celebrate and enjoy life when we find the time because we're never going to find the time. We need to be intentional. We need to plan it. What do you need to do more of in 2016? And then what do you need to do less of in 2016? You probably need to do less stuff. There's probably so many things that, that are driven by pride or this pressure or whatever it is, and we need to just stop. Right? The, best, the best way to kind of figure that out is maybe you ask your spouse or maybe you ask a friend who you trust really well and you say, what do I need to do less of? Right? If you want to be bold, parents, give your kids an opportunity to say, mom, dad, would you stop doing this this year? Right? Something, something needs to go on our to-do or to-don't list. And my hope isn't that we like become all rigid and legalistic and, and follow these lists to a T and we're like, nailed it. That's not what it's really about. What it's really about is focusing more on Jesus, creating space where we can love people, create space where we can enjoy life and not miss what Jesus offers us, right? He came to bring hope, to bring rescue, to bring life. And because of our crazy, busy lives, we're missing it. So my hope is that through all this, we don't just become less busy, we become better followers of Jesus, right? We're going to do that when we see him for who he is. He's a king. He's a king who lowered himself, who came to earth, who walked a humble life and died a humble death. He took our sin, took our shame. He took it to the cross and he died. But he rose and he defeated death and he offers life. He offers life. He offers us acceptance, love, lasting joy. That's who he is. And I hope that we see who we are. We're people who are running to the wrong things because we're broken. We're running to the wrong things because we're prideful, because we're trying to be something we're not. We're running to all this stuff, and it's creating havoc in our life, and we don't need to. We can just look at ourselves, admit, yeah, I'm prideful. I'm trying to be something I can't be. I'm driven by the wrong things and procrastinating. I'm running to these pleasures. And we realize that when we come to terms with who we are, Jesus still loves us, and we can run to him. And we can turn to him and find hope to get out of this cycle, to get out of this busyness. And we can find real life by trusting him. And if you don't trust Jesus, uh, you can. You should. He came for you. Uh, he came for all of us. When you look at your life and you look at what you have going on, how you're trying to measure up, who you're trying to please, how you're trying to earn something, do you feel like you're really living? Is Jesus a part of your life? He can be. And you don't have to be stuck in this cycle. Right? He came for you. He died for you. He loves you. And he offers you an opportunity to experience real, true, eternal life. That's what he offers. Right now, we're going to celebrate um, how this all came to be. Uh, through Jesus, we're going to take communion uh, together. And so what we do is we take uh, the piece of bread that represents Jesus' body. We take the juice that represents his blood. And we take it in remembering what Jesus did for us, how, how he gave his life uh, for our sin to be forgiven and to be accepted. 
and experience true life. So I'm going to pray, and then we will take uh, communion together. Lord, I just thank you so much for um, uh, just Jesus um, who comes to us and, you know, maybe challenges us uh, to calm down, quit being so busy, you know, and challenges this idea that busyness is some badge we can wear. Um, but he offers off us hope when we're kind of beat up and uh, restless and hurting. He's the best of both. Um, but he also loves us regardless of who we are. Uh, he loves us anyway. I thank you for that. I pray that we all uh, look to him instead of what we can do. Uh, we look to him to determine our rhythms and to, and to guide our families and to guide our lives and to guide our schedules. And um, we just lean on him more and more this next coming year. Uh, we thank you for your grace. Uh, we thank you for your forgiveness. And we thank you for your love in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.